Greetings, Earthlings. Greetings. Happy New Year. We are in a brand new year. We skipped last week because we were in the middle of a uh, holiday season. So uh, well, we're we took almost, a little break. Almost approaching the age of Aquarius. That's right. <laughs> the uh, Tonight's topic is going to be a little diversified as I, uh, I try to explain to my partner. Diversity um, is good. The, uh, the whole question of uh, our, our podcast is to not only to uh, teach people why this subject has become a classified top secret, but to also to uh, fill you in on things that occur on a daily basis that seem to be leaning towards a, uh, a change that I feel is occurring. Uh, there's a change in programming on certain uh, uh, shows that I've been watching and a lot of you out there have been watching and uh, the ancient aliens show has shifted to a uh, Monday night uh, for the time being and uh, Friday nights are now going to be this is in the New York area I don't know it may change in different parts of the country uh, but uh, it's going to be more leaning towards a disclosure and a discussion of um, <clears throat> trying to prepare the American public for the uh, eventuality of this uh, this subject, uh, uh, taking a more serious uh, uh, reality. The uh, eventuality of this uh, has been uh, well aware uh, that it would occur one day, and uh, it, it seems to be, uh, from all my knowledge and talking to other people, there's... Uh, like I say, a, a, a thing in the air. And uh, I've noticed uh, also, I've noticed some interesting uh, things that have been uh, talked about. Uh, and we have a piece uh, tonight we're going to let you hear on the, uh, the pyramids. And the pyramids are always, uh, you know, the seven wonders of the world. It's the top of the wonders. And it's... Uh, the more that we look at it uh, from year to year, we find out more amazing things about it. Um, we're going to let you listen. We wish you could uh, we'll, see. We'll check in on the pyramid today. You know, we'll we're going to check, check in, in on, on the pyramid. It's always there, so we can always check in. Yeah. It's not going nowhere. <laughs> no one's going to pick it up and take it away. It stood the test of time. <clears throat> it, it sure has. It's uh, a classic. <laughs> the... Uh, the the uh, the wonders of the pyramid give give uh, rise to uh, technology, and the uh, mathematical equations that are uh, in, in, infested in this structure are, are remarkable. The the pi r square uh, piece, uh, the uh, triangular uh, measurements um, are calculated. Uh, perfect triangle. Perfect triangles. The, the 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 setting for the pyramid. Not only is it in the uh, what they call the center of the land masses, but it's also on uh, the thirtieth parallel. It's also uh, a, a tiny degree off of true north, which yeah. is remarkable. Because how would that knowledge be known unless the wobble in the earth? was more accurate uh, thousands compass, of years man. ago. Pull out their compass. Yeah, right. Pull out your local compass. <laughs> well, <clears throat> maybe it is kind of a compass itself. It, it, it's um, a remarkable structure. It, it has so many things uh, about it that are remarkable. And uh, we're going to let and you listen. And it's relation to the dimensions of, of Earth. Uh, <laughs> it, That's, that was the new thing that I learned from this the, the clip. The, 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 uh, they even have an estimate uh, of the weight of this structure. And uh, they've calculated uh, how many stones are involved in the, uh, uh, the structure. And also that it's uh, the three pyramids in Giza are lined up to the star system Orion. Also in Mexico, the uh, pyramids in uh, Tiwanika are also lined up with the Orion star system, which is kind of coincidental. Kind of, kind of, kind of coincidental. Or not. Uh, how did that occur? I mean, they didn't have any cell phones back then. Uh, 
how did they tell each other, let's build our pyramids in the in the positions of the Orion uh, star belt? Well, they had bottles. <laughs> yeah, right. No, they put no messages certain, in the bottle. And scrolls, you know. Sure. And I've they had birds. Then they had, uh, what do you call the uh, pigeons, where they sent <laughs> the, the message? Carrier pigeons. Carrier pigeons. Bilingual. Yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, Come on. I have to laugh about it because yeah. uh, when you add up those uh, improbabilities of, of the information being, uh, you know, transported back and forth across these large distances and they come up with uh, similar measurements. And, Maybe they uh, had satellites back then and then we <laughs> lost the technology and had to start over. Mm. Yeah, these questions are always being <laughs> raised. But uh, let's let's listen to this piece. And I think... You'll get a uh, get a, a, an oversight of um, the findings. Well, some interesting, you know, it's some of the stuff that we've said before. One of the the people that speak in the in the so. uh, in the audio is a fellow named uh, Graham, uh, and um, Graham Hancock, and he's a he's has a lot of books out on this uh, ancient uh, astronaut uh, story. Yeah, and this is from after school on YouTube, the after school channel. It's actually a video about connecting Nikola Tesla's, uh, well, it covered his, oh, the genius of, his, of Nikola Tesla beliefs in the pyramid and some of his technology that mm -hmm. is uh, argued to be based on it. And, mm -hmm. But this particular section is mostly about the pyramid. Check it out. The musical intervals in particular, those which are known as the perfect fault which has a ratio of 4-3, and those known as the perfect fifth, has a ratio of 3-2, one of which is an inverse form of the other. If the Great Pyramid is indeed a construction to harmonize creation, wherein lies the code to such a great power? Many people don't know this, but in fact it's not a four-sided pyramid. It has a very slight concavity on each side making it an eight-sided pyramid. Now, the minute you do this, you not only complicate the design tremendously, but it produces rather bizarre geometry. So this geometry, when we analyze it, produces numbers. Numbers keep popping out. Numbers that shouldn't be there. Things like universal constants. Constant, uh, that has been known for over 100 years. Uh, the phi constant, the golden ratio, but we have now strange numbers like Euler's number coming up in the design. Could this geometry produce a message? The Great Pyramid uh, is situated within a whisker of latitude 30. It seems like the, the, the latitude choice was derived from uh, astronomy. Um, because there's a lens effect of the atmosphere of the Earth. And when you take that into account, the tiny error shy of latitude 30 goes away. They were on astronomical latitude 30, if you like. Seems like a very deliberate choice because it's not a random latitude. It's one third of the way between the equator and the North Pole. This is just one of the many ways I feel in which the Great Pyramid deliberately and purposively speaks to our planet. The next way it does that uh, is that it is aligned. But if you take upon yourself the project of building a pyramid and aligning it to true north, south, east, and west, you wouldn't make any error at all. There is an error in the Great Pyramid. It's tiny. It's three sixtieths of a single degree off true north. This is almost eerie precision because the scale of the monument is so huge. This thing is 481 feet high. It has a footprint of 13, slightly more than 13 acres. It weighs 6 million tons. It consists of 2.5 million individual blocks of stone. You're taking that whole gigantic mountain of stone and you are aligning it within just 3 sixtieths of a single degree of true north. We're not talking about magnetic north, which varies. We're talking about astronomical north, the true north of this planet. <laughs> It's a very remarkable thing, and that's the north of this planet. Once again, the Great Pyramid is speaking to the Earth. Could the pyramid be revealing something else about our planet? Then you find something else as you go deeper. Start measuring the Great Pyramid. Measure it very, very, very precisely. Measure its base perimeter. 
and then measure its height and scale those numbers up, what you find is that at a scale of 1 to 43,200, and I'll explain why that's not a random scale in a moment, on a scale of 1 to 43,200, the dimensions of the pyramid give you the dimensions of this planet. In other words, if you measure the base perimeter of the Great Pyramid and multiply it by 43,200, you get the equatorial circumference of the Earth. And if you measure the height of the Great Pyramid and multiply it by 43,200, you get the polar radius of the Earth. So in all those centuries and millennia, when our ancestors went through the Dark Ages and didn't even know that they were living on a planet, let alone the dimensions of the planet, all they ever had to do was go accurately measure the Great Pyramid, multiply those numbers by 43,200, and they have the dimensions of our planet. Amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing. I love that. The pyramid is so sophisticated that it baffles researchers continuously. And the more we try to uh, write it off as just coincidence, uh, we, we look like fools trying to uh, dis, you know, diminish the uh, significance of the, uh, the, the, the technology that, that was involved in constructing this, this huge structure. And uh, I just find it amazing that, that was, there's, there's not more attention uh, put on it. But in, in uh, you know, contrast to the, uh, the TV shows that have brought this subject out into the open, it has gained a tremendous following. So uh, people, the laymen and also professionals have also looked at this structure in a new way and not looked at it as just a tomb for pharaohs, which it wasn't. It seems to have been more of a multiple uh, faceted structure designed to tell time, designed to, huh. to, to generate energy and to uh, distribute energy. Also, uh, mathematical formulas are involved in the, uh, the size, the shape, and the fact that it's relative to the earth like that. <laughs> yeah. All, all those aspects. I mean, just, uh, are just mind boggling to, to be, to have that information at hand at that point in time, thousands and thousands of years ago. And, and, and the, and the interesting, uh, profile of the pyramid from up in the air is really, uh, the, yeah. The fact that it's, the point you've made many times before on this podcast, the eight, it's actually not four walls. It's eight because of the, the lean, the, the little concave, that concave bend, that, which you don't really notice. If you look straight on it, uh, it's only noticeable directly from above as, as uh, helicopters and cell, uh, satellite photos have taken close up shots of the, uh, the pyramid in Giza. Uh, it's the only pyramid that has that indentation, which marks time on a 90 on minute the equinox, I believe. And, yeah. It you know, marks the, the, the breaking of the uh, four sides into eight breaks it down into 90 minutes uh, intervals, which is a full uh, 12 and then 24 hour. Mm -hmm. Quite an interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That seems like it had a lot of purposes. We're still, you know, there's a, there's a, this is only a couple off the, a long list of theories. But, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, the fact that they're indented like that is a fact, not a theory. Well, for, for, for hundreds and years, for hundreds of years, and uh, I guess even a thousand years, we, we, we were confined to thinking that it was a location where you would find a bunch of mummies. But, uh, the the, mm -hmm. the mummies were basically the placed in the Valley of the Kings in in uh, Lower Egypt, and um, the pyramids seem to have been a, a separate uh, structure for for many different reasons. And uh, placed uh, where it is, uh, it was not a, a, a place of uh, housing hmm. pharaohs, right, right? And that was the earlier early explanation, mm -hmm. but. 
um, that's what you know. The other, I, I like to go into another uh, part of that pyramid. Uh, well, era I was of the just going to say one one quick thing about mm -hmm. the Tesla and the point that it made in this video earlier that we didn't share was um, his affinity for three six nine, and that in itself is a triangle, you know, relative to the perfect triangle. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the the uh, the pyramid era, uh, the the land of the pharaohs, as they call it was broken up into kingdoms, as they uh, reported in the, in the books that have been written about Egypt. You had the lower kingdom, the upper kingdom, the first dynasty, the uh, second dynasty. And the ages, when you read uh, numbers, like, for instance, um, for instance, the, uh, the year 2500, BC. Okay. If you if you go forward on those numbers, the numbers go downward. And um, they decrease all the way as you approach AD. Well, I, I, I believe um, there are theories out there that um, that are, are saying, you know, for example, the Sphinx is pre dynasty. Mm hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the pyramids could be too. And uh, the the um, the point that the pyramids uh, it, it, there's a if you look at a, a, a kind of a cross section of it, it, you see different layers. Where there was like a mound or burial mound that mm -hmm. was there, maybe underneath that could have been predated all of it. And 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 that concept mm -hmm. has been repeated in many many cultures where the where the site has, has gained a, a religious or a significant uh, special uh, uh, a special honor amongst the people. And, and they would build on top of that place a, another holy place to be honored for future generations. So it would, if you look at certain uh, areas in the Middle East where there's uh, – huge, huge areas of, of uh, honor in Lebanon, in, uh, in the Israeli uh, temple um, where, they, where the, the Hebrews and the, the Jewish population come up to the wailing wall and they, they kiss the wall, they put notes into the wall. That wall has rocks and, yeah, and blocks that are even larger on the bottom and on the top the, the the rocks are smaller so so the the previous foundation had larger rocks than than the preceding uh, uh, structures which is kind of odd why would they need to have such large structures preceding the, the the time when they decided to build another structure on top why the would closest, they closest best explanation we have was in the movie Moses Mm -hmm. But then the contraption broke, and I think, you know, a bunch of guys died underneath it or something. In one of the scenes. Well, they got dragged underneath that. I was but, like, wait a minute, they, did they explain this? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the ages of, of the, um, the centuries as they descend has always been an interesting uh, thing to me. I've always wondered, what, why do they descend uh, in BC time uh, until they get to the age of AD, which is after the time is marked as after the death of Christ. AD is after the death. AD, AD, AD. So we don't, BC so is before Christ. That means you can't contemplate. You're not allowed to. Too so, old. So, no, <laughs> I, it's odd that the numbers dropped. Why did they decrease until well, that what, time? Then they increase after. And what of the technological gains? What if we were technologically more advanced a million, you know, thousands there, of years ago? Maybe there was humans that predated what we think is our existence. And, well, they, and they had uh, greater technologies. And that's part of what we're seeing there. Well, you've heard the term prehistory, right? Yeah. Now, prehistory is a term that was applied to a, a designated time where we started to feel that civilization was uh, occurring. And so um, 
the formers, uh, the the uh, the formulators of uh, of books that we we uh, depend on for information say that uh, you know civilization began in four thousand four BC, and the church, uh, uh, the Catholic Church, uh, is in agreement with that time frame, and uh, recent findings have shown that those dates do not make sense because we have structures on the planet that precede thousands of years before the 4000 BC. And uh, some of these structures uh, precede and and uh, suggest uh, a pre-flood uh, time, which is the 10,000-year uh, period where we had a, uh, a deluge on the planet. And uh, this is where we have the stories of the flood and Noah and the ark and... Uh, it appears that uh, at some time in the past, there was a tremendous flood. And uh, we have stories of uh, a boat being built to prepare to, to, to last through the storm, which is a little bit of a story. It's a nice little story. We get all the animals on a boat. You know, you know it would have to be a pretty big boat to, to, to hold every animal on the, on the planet, you know, especially those big elephants, you know. And uh, wow. I, I've always thought of it as a as a uh, a spectacular story that may have some truth to it, but not the glorified uh, story that uh, has been continued uh, over the centuries. That every planet, that every um, excuse me, every animal on the planet, uh, two of a kind, were put on this boat. It's an impossible. It's well, an impossible thing to have uh, all those animals on a boat and uh, to take care of them for. Well, what, as we pointed out, I think uh, the couple of po- couple of episodes back about Louis El- Elizondo, and one of the things he pointed out was the uh, the the fact that they could go in multiple um, um, uh, what do you call it? atmospheres or whatever, like basically air and water. Mm-hmm. A lot of the sightings uh, by pilots, mm-hmm. uh, military, actually, uh, and witness accounts, you know, um, uh, place uh, talk about vessels that start in the air and then go into the water and then maybe come back out of the water, right? Yeah, well, it brings me to a uh, so, uh, a, uh, a particular book I was looking at this afternoon. That's why I, I wanted to uh, include uh, the uh, the jumping back and forth with this subject uh, from the past to the future. Uh, there's a section in one of my books that has uh, profoundly convinced me that something was flying around, and it was a uh, it was a compilation of uh, pilots' reports uh, before the restriction of uh, not talking about it uh, to the press went out. And these these reports are, are compiled from different airlines, private and commercial, some with passengers, some without. Uh, and uh, they describe in a brief uh, one or two sentence description of things that they were encountering up in the uh, in the air. And uh, when you read them, you know, dozens of them, page after page, uh, you begin to think that um, that something is, is really flying around. Well, and, you know, speaking of military, uh, a lot of those were military accounts, right? Yeah, and this is back in 64 that the, the, this list was compiled. Uh, and, and the and the dates go back to uh, the 50s, 52, 48, right around the time when we started noticing them, time. when we started <laughs> to pay attention to what was being reported. Because as I've said in previous episodes, these objects were not only uh, being observed by uh, our, our side, but the other side was seeing them. So... Uh, we didn't know what to make of it, but we kept an eye on them. And uh, in '42, there was a uh, an incident over L.A., which uh, it's called the L.A. Raid, and these objects were 
fired upon. And I mean, I'm uh, sure there's been a lot of LA, a lot of raids in L.A., but this was this made headlines. This was in the sky. Yeah, this okay. was in the air, <laughs> and uh, we we uh, were in thinking that they, they were Japanese uh, pilots flying over the coast of California, but uh, they weren't. And uh, as a consequence of those uh, interference with the pilots and the and the rockets and the cannons that were fired at these objects, we had a uh, a change in uh, the. Uh, the way we were going to handle these these sightings, and it would become classified. And when you hear people uh, like FDR and George Marshall making these statements that uh, this story has to be kept away from the public because the uh, the public would go bananas hearing this. You know, I I said last time uh, on one of my uh, episodes that the you know the war had ended and. Uh, we needed a rest. Uh, the last thing we needed to have is another uh, enemy coming down from who knows where, and we weren't prepared to uh, take control. Uh, so I figured the uh, classification of top secret would be logical, you know. And uh, now we have interesting statements that are coming out from pilots that are coming forward and uh, off the coast of California, the sightings that we use on our opening uh, part on our uh, podcast is uh, just a piece of the uh, audio that we have come across. And these, these sightings are being listened to by other people too, that uh, never heard these sightings uh, being announced in the public uh, domain. So uh, they're quite puzzled as to why they're hearing these uh, sightings uh, now. So that's what leads me to think that uh, we are in a, a new age, that 2022 is going to be a uh, very interesting time. Um, I hesitate to say what day it's going to occur. It's going to occur, but uh, yeah, because you know we may be seeing these creatures a lot sooner than we think. Um, you know, there's always the I. I think no matter it, whatever they know that we don't know, they may still, know a lot more. There's still going to be uncertainty. There's going to be We're a lot about of the universe. You know? It's going to be a lot of news. Anything this, this is a, possible. This is not going to be on the first, uh, on the back page of the newspaper. This is going to be on the front page. <laughs> and uh, people uh, in the past used to ask me, you know, what's going to make it come out? And I said, well, back then I said the public is going to demand answers. And that's just what's going on now. We have people asking, why are these, ob these objects being seen? And we're not getting a, a full account of what they are. We're getting a sidetrack to be told that they're, uh, you know, uh, misidentifications of uh, drones and other things that are uh, flying around. But uh, I don't buy that. And I don't think the public buys it. So uh, there's no choice. Uh, they're going to make a, uh, a change in uh, the way they handle uh, speaking about this, because they have to get the public. Well, they drip a few of these clips out. There's still supposedly a ton more. If you listen to a lot of the, you know, commonly quoted folks who are in the know. Uh, and now you have people like Louis Elizondo talk, talking, giving his opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would have allowed that years ago. No. So there is a, you know, softening agents. <laughs> well, in, I think used. in our last podcast, we, we discussed the, uh, the announcement by uh, President Ronald Reagan when he made his statement uh, that really uh, I had to double check that he actually said that because he, he, he was mentioning that we would be all brought together and, and be united and forget our differences. And we would be, you know, put into a position where we would have to face this uh, unknown 
you know, visitor. And uh, it, it was amazing that he made this statement publicly because uh, it just didn't... Uh, it just didn't sit right with the CIA. I'm sure they uh, didn't like him saying things like that. It uh, it brought the people to the attention that there could be something to this subject. So um, keep your eyes on the uh, the skies because uh, there's been a lot of uh, interesting uh, flights, and uh, I'm not saying I, I'm seeing a bunch of. Uh, UAPs, but I'm seeing a lot of high-flying jets and their contrails crisscrossing each other and flying almost in parallel some, in some sections, but all, all in this area of um, Long Island, which we have a lot of aircraft and a lot of uh, airports. So, I mean, the, the, these planes are flying at a high, high altitude. They're not flying in a in a pattern that makes them look like they're going to be headed to the airport, they're flying much, much higher. And uh, I've, I've, and just today alone, I saw at least eight, nine, uh, unless they're having maneuvers with the Blue Angels above. Well, above. They do that sort of thing. <laughs> but then, no, they would be in formation. They wouldn't be uh, crisscrossing and. Actually, uh, they're all in straight lines, no zigzagging, which are part of the pattern that these objects do use. But uh, no, these were these were straight line jets flying at high speed. But the the amount of them in the area and the closeness that they were, you know, being observed as far as uh, the contrails were so close to each other. It was almost like the contrails were crisscrossing each other. Well, hopefully they're spraying something for, you know, the Omicron. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they were spraying to kill the virus. Yeah, hopefully. But uh, th these or are things. spreading these are things, it. I mean, it could be the, it could be the other side. Okay. These are things that keep your mind going. You know, you, <laughs> you know, you sit there and you say, what the heck is that? You know? Okay. And, uh, In another way, though, they're also what's going on with religion and spirituality and the research that the government has been doing, which is pointed out by one of our comrades in the truth here, Starseed, mm -hmm. who's uh, often listening in on our show. He's, mm -hmm. um, you even have Francis Collins. Wasn't He was the head of the NIH, but now he's working for the government. I forgot the name of the project. Uh, that is, um, that has to do with the spirituality and uh, oh, theology. Outer space. You're talking about the theology aspect. Mm -hmm. There's a group of theology theologians who are going over the, uh, the fact that the, uh, the cosmos has, uh, other intelligent life in it. And, uh, it will cross paths with, us and that that event is going to be earth shattering like i say each time it's uh not an easy subject to accept as well as it's uh, not an easy subject to comprehend because at at, at first it seems simple yeah there's a craft here from another planet and they want to make contact but no that's not the case there's more to it and uh, this <clears throat> agenda has been kept from the public for a reason and that reason has put this subject in the classification category that it's in so when information that comes out disturbs that agenda it's labeled as uh, conspiracy and propaganda but when you look into the subject, all the pilots can't be crazy. The pilots are what convinced me up until the day I read the Majestic 12 document. Then I was really, then I was really scared. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's why I started this podcast and uh, lectures around the uh, Long Island area. Uh, I, I seek questions from the people who listen to this podcast because 
any questions that I can uh, give a good answer for, I will gladly, gladly produce. Uh, Send those is, on to uh, UFOs Top Secret. Um, oops. Yeah. <laughs> top please. Secret UFOs. <laughs> Why are UFOs Top Secret? Why are they? Yeah. UFOs Top Secret at ProtonMail.com. They are here, and that's for sure. Yes, a lot of people, I think, Agree more and pe that. more and more people, especially young people, are more willing to uh, to accept this uh, this arrival. Uh, older people uh, are more, you know, a little stubborn. They need to see, uh, as they hear all the time, the smoking gun. You know, they they want to see uh, absolute proof. And despite the fact that I I, uh, I tell them to read this uh, majestic twelve. Uh, briefing document for Eisenhower. Um, you know, that's the only thing I can really uh, provide right now. I can't give you a, an alien and I can't give you a spaceship, but I can provide the information that has been circulating for the last 70 years. And uh, the summary of it is that there is a slick propaganda cover-up and uh, it's probably uh, a worldwide concealment. That's a, that's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah, How, you know, we, we just think of it, oh, yeah, yeah, it's in our, yeah, I remember when I was a kid and seeing them blast off to the moon. And it's like, but you think of that as an American thing, but it's, it's who knows? We can't, that, why? We don't know. How, how could all of these different countries cooperate on anything? Unless and there was agree. an agreement. Yeah. And how and, and, and what controls <clears throat> that and what mechanism oversees that or how does that work exactly? Just by well, blind faith? Really? Is that? <laughs> I don't think we. Uh, plausible I don't, I don't, plausible I denial. That would is, be just the honor system. Yeah. Plausible denial is a term that gives the government a. a uh, a plausible reason to uh, to, to lie, and the uh, in the cause of national security. There you go. After nineteen forty seven, three uh, two months later, the uh, National Security Act was signed. Also, the CIA was formally formally put together, and it, uh, it, co it coordinated a. Uh, an intense counterintelligence operation to uh, handle this subject. And the letters CI on a low case, uh, not, not capitalized, CI stands for counterintelligence. And who, who is in charge of uh, the Senate intelligence operation? Adam Schiff. <laughs> Interesting how he doesn't, uh, he doesn't seem like a, uh, what do you call a real smart dude, but uh, he gets information that, that's never revealed to the public uh, because of a, a need to know. They use that uh, reason. All we need is one drunken country leader yeah. just just to go, you know, it's the, we're in the Twitter age. Just come on, release some documents, man. Get drunk and tell the truth. Yeah, look at look at all the excitement that went on after WikiLeaks uh, re released the uh, documents that he hacked in the right, uh, right in the years that he was doing his thing. He had to leave the country, he had to go into exile, he had to. Uh, but you yeah. know how I feel about it. I mean, I don't, I they obviously maybe maybe it's that simple. Just that everyone agrees the public. Well, they tightened up the the way to hack in after after WikiLeaks was able to break in. All the the entry points for for hacking was was squeezed out, so that it was harder and harder to to hack into uh, classified information, and that's uh, that's the censorship that seems to be going on right now, in the uh, control of the narrative, from uh, groups like Facebook, and uh, you know the uh, internet. Yeah, is, and just remember a, the best way to clean a hard drive is with a sledgehammer. 
<laughs> yeah, just ask Hillary. She knows all about it. She has a big sledgehammer. You're going to do it, do it right. But uh, th th like I say all the time, this subject gains more and more followers because uh, of people like me who have stepped forward and uh, realized that uh, we have to get ready for this uh, open contact because the, uh, the consequences of being shocked uh, can drive the public batty. I mean, we're already nuts with this uh, virus that's floating around. Uh, so could you imagine the, uh, the consequences of not being aware that we were being watched and that we were not uh, being told the truth? The truth is sometimes hard to, uh, <laughs> to, to bear, and that's why that famous uh, line uh, from that film, can you handle the <laughs> truth? You know, it's, uh, it's a big question. And uh, We should have put that in our opening, opening line. <laughs> in, in, uh, also, I was reading a statement that uh, mentions a, uh, a book or a, uh, let me see how it's a, uh, it's a, uh, a chronicleized document that surfaced in June of 47 titled, quote, Relationships with Inhabitants of Celestial Bodies, co-written by the father of the atomic bomb, Robert Oppenheimer, co-authored with Albert Einstein. Hmm. Significant is the fact that this document contains the earliest known reference to quote extraterrestrial biological entities or ebes terminology allegedly used within cleared echelons of the intelligence community to describe alien creatures and discusses the possible nature of the alien presence its intentions and the human response to that presence a letter written by Dr. Vannevar Bush to President Truman on July 5th, 1947, quote, possibly as a result of the New Mexico events, Dr. Bush writes a memo to Truman recapping the status of the early investigations as an apparent follow-up by FDR to Bush. FDR wrote another letter, which we don't have, in April 1944, requesting re recommendations on four specific points. This letter is Bush's answer. The letter also shows an OK and Harry Truman signature. This letter is stamped with, an, with a known auth authentic original stamp and was probably produced by a typewriter because of the uniformity of the letter spacing. We expect to show, of course, that this format was commonly used by the Office of Scientific Research and Development Typewriters of the era. Ryan Woods, uh, Robert Wood's son, Ryan Wood, adds, Dr. Bush restates the FDR questions for Truman's benefit mentions the assistance of distinguished committees attitudes to the many meetings since the events of this summer, transmit the full reports as appendices, and proposes a single mechanism for implementing the recommendations of the several committees. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Committees. I'd like a list, please. A directive to General Nathan Twining from Eisenhower dating July 8th, 1947, authorizes General Twining, the head of Air Material Command at, at Wright-Patterson, to proceed to, write, to White Sands to make a, quote, make an appraisal of the reported unidentified objects being kept there. Interesting, Twining's flight log shows that he did travel there on the seventh. <laughs> so all these little uh, connecting points show that in the early days of the uh, cover-up, uh, the government was at a, at a, at a uh, perplexing uh, point because they didn't know which way, what, what to do. They were 
they were confused as as to the reality that 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 we had in our hands that this this event it was real and not a uh, a phony story so the some of the people in the government started to believe the, their own uh, baloney <laughs> and that's why there was confusion inside the uh, the, the lower uh, ends of the uh, cover up because the cover up was so tight that very little drifted out and that was on purpose because they were they were scared to death that the public would would think that we were being visited by by creatures from another planet right after we succeeded in in in, in winning the, the war, winning the war. Yeah. so there's uh, it's a big turning point in the in the united states yes we have military superiority i think yeah we got missiles <laughs> we got we got rockets we got Are we don't all of a sudden but yet now we find out we can't use these weapons <laughs> because they're uh, they're not usable they uh, cause too much backlash <laughs> yes backlash backlash and uh the theme of the famous movie the day the earth stood still is based on that alone that nuclear weapons are a no-no and that these creatures could be here in defiance of that uh well that think uh, think about it though how 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 could every country be unified in their space program together well, even when, when when countries go at war with each other, hmm. um, and and there's some real interesting work that's been done. If you look, uh, if you search on online, you you should be able to come across this videos uh, documentary of all the different vector symbols in all the different space programs. Mm-hmm. The continuance of this vector or V or flying wings. Uh, throughout all the different uh, countries and languages and the mm-hmm. space programs and the symbology, mm-hmm. symbolism. Well, the most revolutionary uh, technological achievement for Earth in the last few months has been the blast-off of the, the Webb telescope, mm-hmm. which is now going to penetrate parts of space that have never been seen before. I hope they pointed out to Zeta Reticuli and uh, maybe the Orion Belt. Maybe they could see these creatures flying <laughs> towards us. <laughs> this telescope is going to be very, very powerful and supply our uh, astronomers with valuable information. Um, and it will take a few months for it to reach its destination. And uh, we will have uh, results to... Uh, bring you on our podcast because this is all related to uh, ET. Hmm. Our whole existence is to return to where we came from, as said by Rod Sterling. And the interesting thing about that is the answer could be out there in looking through that long lens telescope, mm-hmm. or it could be in the crusty layers under our feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I've often wondered how the uh, public would uh, accept this, you know, and it's going to vary with areas uh, on the planet. Some people will will digest it and uh, accept it, and other people will be mystified by it and uh, puzzled by it. And uh, I thought we were created by a heavenly almighty, you know. You well, know. The heaven is up. It's up there somewhere. Heaven is a place called Earth, huh? Yeah, maybe you're just not thinking far, quite far enough away. Well, Belinda Carlisle said it. Didn't she say that? What's that? Heaven Earth, is a heaven is a place called Earth. That's what I'm see. That that's why I'm in the ancient aliens all the time. You know, <laughs> I'm always looking back. And imagine we have a lot you, to learn from our history. Just think about this: if these creatures are, are buzzing around our planet and looking at all the sights and sounds of our planet and looking at all the debris that's scattered around, they must say to themselves, boy, these, this, this planet's been uh, devastated. Well, I remember the commercial <laughs> with the American Indian crying when he was, it was like a, a 
commercial to teach kids not to litter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, remember that? Yeah, and and so today's version should just be you know maybe the gray alien with, with a tear in his eye. Well, I don't know how they cry with that weird eye they have. There's weird a eyes. there's a cable show called uh, 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 Abandoned Abandoned Buildings, and they and they go and they show you these structures that have been abandoned since the 1800s and during World War One and World War Two, used for, you know, holding criminals and some of them holding, uh, holding uh, manufacturing of different uh, substances, and they've been completely abandoned. So now they're all in disrepair, railroads that uh, have tracks that have never been removed and buildings that have uh, uh, what they call paranormal experiences inside them because they, uh, they held uh, secrets of... Uh, prisoners over the years you know and the, the dead prisoners are still occupying the uh, the vicinity of where they were held these uh, <clears throat> these places have uh, gained notoriety over the years some places have more have become more famous because of their uh, peculiarities that occur on these uh, areas and they and they become famous you've heard of the Amityville horror very oh, yeah. famous place that uh, had a terrible incident there, and uh, they they call the place extremely haunted. You know, whether it is haunted or it isn't, it's just uh, speculation. But it did it did carry a tremendous uh, popularity of uh, interest because people would pull up their cars in front of this place and just look at it and stare at it, and it became like a tourist attraction. And uh, you know, we have places around the planet that that are similar to that where. Alcatraz was a uh, a place of horror, and uh, it, it gained uh, almost afterwards. Uh, it gained all this uh, what we call famous uh, prisoners that were being held there. It got more reputation. Mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. And and you, and you notice how how they have these places which have an infamous occurrences attached to them they they become sort of like a taboo uh place and over the centuries they start to become uh they given they're given like a status from the people that live in the area because they know of the the enigmas that have held, been held at that particular site whether it be uh, a terrible enigma or or something that was uh, good it, it gains a lot of attention and, and, and a lot of people want to go there just to see it. And uh, there's a place in uh, Saudi Arabia in a place called Mecca where all the uh, Muslims are, are responsible for visiting at least once in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And they enter the square and they rotate around a, a square building that has a, uh, actually a a rock in the corner of it which has been determined to be a meteor and the muslims rotate in prayer around this this square structure and they put their hands on it and they they say you know they feel connected to this uh substance and it's uh it's just a it's just a place that that has a a special meaning to these people and 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 different places in, in india like uh, I would call Anchor Anchor One. It's another special place where they attribute uh, the Holy uh, uh, Buddha to have uh, visited, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's all it's all associated with this uh, misinterpretation of uh, what I call a close encounter. You know, and we have it in the biblical scriptures, and we have it in the uh, uh, the Old Testament, and uh, as well as in the New Testament, but more so in the Old Testament. Uh, I've reviewed uh, other uh, writers who have suggested the uh, the works of the Old Testament are loaded with uh, close encounters. But uh, we could go into that. It can definitely and, be seen that way. Huh? It definitely can be seen that way. When you go back and reread and you think of them that way, it's mind-blowing, some of that. Well, because I, I've often em- emphasized the, the significance of the English language is so sophisticated and it gives us the opportunity to explain and interpret 
uh, things that we didn't have a vocabulary for thousands of years ago. We, we had a limited vocabulary. And so words that were used to describe things uh, were broad in their, in their uh, description. Whereas today we can get down to the nitty gritty and explaining uh, to the finest detail with the use of the English language being so sophisticated and uh, evolved, it, it, you know, it, it, it's it, our our language is now applied as a as a technological tool to reanalyze uh, scripture and to to read into the scriptures of of people who lived thousands of years ago, and we find uh, cases in the Old Testament that show there were close encounters. And the book of Ezekiel is a classic example of a, of a meeting with a craft that descends downward from that up in the sky and lands in front of this individual. And it's, uh, you know, it's been <laughs> carried on for centuries until it became part of the Old Testament. And uh, it's accepted in faith. If you, if you have a uh, Catholic upbringing or a religious upbringing and you, and you question the, uh, the, the theologians in the 50s, they would say that uh, you must accept this on faith. Or they could exp yeah, explain that you're having a spiritual experience and just sum it up like that. Um, but... Then there's the whole area of telepathy and astral projection, mm -hmm. um, which, again, well, that's <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. But uh, you know, I, I wanted to also mention the uh, the, uh, the uh, in a short while a uh, concept that I've uh, thought about. We all think about uh, the brain once in a while and how powerful the brain can be in, in uh, memory and it can think of things that may have happened in the, in the past and we, we, we try to envision that we're thinking in a, uh, a double life that we had in the past and we think of the concept of reincarnation after death that we come back as something different than we are. And uh, the, these, these concepts of um, astral projection, telepathy, and uh, mind control, do you ever think about what, the two, what these two things are, the brain and the mind? People equate them as one and the same, but they're not. Think about it. The mind and this brain. Only my, are, only my mind can think about it. My brain is hurting right now. The brain and the <laughs> mind, in, in retrospect, when the body is born, when the human creature is born, the mind has not evolved yet. The brain is just, is just growing into uh, perception. And this is why when you... In the Catholic religion, you 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 don't eat, reach the age of reason until uh, you receive your uh, first Holy Communion, and then when you receive confirmation, you're at a different stage of uh, awareness and intelligence, and uh, the the human mind is is at a point where between the growth of the the brain. And the, uh, the awareness that the, the mind starts to record information, it's almost like an invisible energy uh, source. In a way, and, it's the convergence of science and faith, <laughs> yeah. in a way. Sure. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a hard thing to comprehend what the mind is, you know, but I, I've read. Some, yeah, my brain hurts when I try to. I try, yeah, and yet, and yet, they say that the mind can uh, can actually uh, separate out of the body, and you can have a uh, what they call out of the body experience. You you leave, you leave me and my experiences to to me, man. 
these right. are these are what they call speculative uh, things, but yet there have been dozens and thousands of recordings of these these incidents of out of the body experiences, yep. people who have seen themselves uh, like looking in a mirror and and seeing themselves out of their body, and um, yeah. there are there are many cases of of this uh, ability. And so uh, you have to really read about it and, and uh, have an open mind and not be closed-minded because uh, these things are complicated to uh, accept. You know, they're easy to read, but then, you know, you go about your own things and you, uh, you sort of forget the uh, implications of what you've read. And you think, ah, oh, that's just a, a nice little story, but it's there's a lot of truth to it. That's why I... Uh, I don't write off everything that I hear. I, I put it on the shelf, and I, I still remember it. So I, I try to look at the things that make sense and things that I've come across that validate the things that I feel are true. And uh, uh, after reading and talking to people that I respect, uh, I've come to the conclusion that uh, – we are being lied to continuously on this subject. and uh, But the temperature is changing. And the temperature is changing. And I, I've said it in an interview I had 20 years ago, that the public is going to demand answers. and that's They're going starting to, to admit little things. Yeah, and that, things. that's going to help enormously because this subject is going to revolutionize the... Uh, JFK documents, nah, okay. yeah. not much. You, not When the Manhattan Project was uh, developed, no one knew what was behind it until that bomb was dropped, and we were talking uh, to the Japanese about surrender, and they didn't agree with it, and we dropped another one, and then they agreed. Took two two bombs to convince the Japanese generals that you know we want we meant business but the consequences of those bombs being dropped caused a lot of backlash for the united states and uh these creatures that we have in our atmosphere that are observing us seem to uh feel that these weapons are not for us Whoops, slapped on the back of the hand well they have switched them off before Yes, and, and, and when you read these cases that, uh, that, the, uh, that the silos were actually uh, put into a negative operation, uh, it's kind of, kind of scary because <laughs> the, op- the opposite could happen too, which uh, apparently did in, in Russia. And it led to the formation of the hotline between Moscow and uh, the White House to avoid any accidental, uh, you know, I know wars. when that hotline rings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it so we can have only our, be Putin. <laughs> we have our enemies, but what we don't need is we we don't need a uh, a mistake. Um it I look. There's there's something. Something that all countries seem to join together in their space program and agree on keeping secrets. That's there's something to that. Mm-hmm. How that is controlled, I don't know. But starting in the 40s, as we talk about the military, the military with national security, I mean, how can you argue with that? They were basically in charge. The military was in charge right after the war. You know, we bent and gave honor to the military. We, we respected them. Patriotism was at its highest. And uh, when they said that these things were balloons... We believed it, and that and that story's held until more and more sightings started to occur, and they couldn't they couldn't keep them all under the under the ground. And that's but, what we do here, folks. We pop the balloons. That's right. We bring you truth. We look for the actual rubber, not just the the air in the balloon. That's Sep- my analogy, Rob. Separating the static about? from the noise, you know. <laughs> Hey, there is static on balloons too. There is. That's rub it true. on the carpet, you know. Yeah, you'll get, get a burn. Sta- yeah. <laughs> Put it against your cheek, you know. 
we uh, we're going to sign off. Wishing everyone a happy new year of discovery, hopefully. I hope you learned a little bit tonight and uh, enjoyed what you heard. Do come see us again, and I do want to give a shout-out to some of our regulars, which is uh, Starseed with his, his new podcast. Check that out, Area 81 Podcast. Be sure and check his podcast out. Um, Shannon, Lynn, Jordan, appreciate you coming in the live room. And uh, your comments, as always, Starseed, right on the money. So we'll be back next week, Tuesdays at 6.30, 8 p.m. on other platforms. We're going to take that ride out of here with our favorite pilots of choice. Happy 2022. Sayonara.